Good morning, everyone, and now welcome to the first of two live sessions today. Uh, this is Distology's Disruptor Day event sponsored by Okta. Now, the theme for today is identity and access management. And for you joining us for this session, we're going to dive into the world of workforce identity access management. We call it workforce because it's not just about employees. It also covers contractors, suppliers and more. In fact, anyone who accesses, in, accesses internal IT systems with an IT environment. Now, joining me this morning is Andy Bryars, Oxus Director of Customer Success for EMEA, and Stephen Williams, uh, Founder and Managing Director of Identity and Access Services Specialist Atlas Identity. Gentlemen, good morning and welcome. Thank you very much. Very excited to be here and joining you. I think it's my first trip out in about 18 months to see uh, partners and customers. So uh, thank you very much for your environment. Very glad to have you here. Now, in this afternoon session, we'll be joined again by Stephen and Simon Moffat, who's founder and analyst at the Cyber Hut, and we're going to unpack the subject of consumer identity access management. But back to this morning, it's all about the workforce. Now, I also want to say a massive thank you to all of today's event sponsors for supporting us. That's Okta, Auth0, Ubico, and Beyond Identity. You've all made today's event possible. Now, before we dive into the discussion, I'd like to signpost the Q&A. Now that's uh, open from the start, and I'd like you to be able to use the questions uh, facility on uh, online on the app that you're using. That's not the chat box, that's the questions box. And use it throughout the event as you think of questions, and we'll get answering them later on towards the end of the event. So gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, are you ready? <laughs> Seven years ago, uh, Okta was a classic single sign-on for cloud applications, as you reliably informed me. Now, in the years since then, it's become the benchmark for modern cross-platform identity access management. But in the years before this wave of modern identity access management, uh, can you catch the audience up with a crash course on something that was largely despised, but is now today very accessible and business enabling? And Andy, I'd love it if I could turn over to you to kick us off. Great, great question to start, Lance, and thank you. So uh, I think the seven years is because I, I started Oxford seven years ago in February coming up, uh, and I came from an on-premise identity provider, and identity had a bad reputation. And the reason for that is you was integrating with on-prem, often homegrown built solutions, no open standards, uh, and it was fairly complex, and the time to deliver value to the customer was long, are costly and the outcomes weren't always great. Um, and, and that's really like when I started looking at Okta is how could we make the complex simpler? But Okta seven years ago started in the cloud uh, in this uh, transformation journey and we have got open standards like SAML. Uh, OpenID Connect is like the new version of SAML. It's a way that we can integrate with applications seamlessly and easily. So when I look at when I look at that, is like that was our sweet spot. But over the last seven years, uh, Ox has really uh, grown and matured along with the market in terms of uh, what's possible in identity and access. And I think as well, identity has now become the core of the new security yeah. perimeter as well. So when I want to talk about depth and breadth, I'll give you some examples. So in terms of the breadth of products, any identity solution needs a meta directory because it's where you store users. But it's not about just users now, it's about our devices, it's our fingerprints in terms of their IP addresses and everything else. And we'll talk a little bit more about zero trust and things further in, in this conversation. But so you need a meta directory, so that's that's a universal directory. 
single sign-on. And that's what the single source of truth is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because if you think about your application stack, you've got different usernames, different identities. So the whole idea is to match all those together so that when you come in back to your meta directory, oh, I recognize Lance, I know what is yeah. uh, his usernames in that to, to correlate that. Um, so single sign-on was a big thing as well because from an end-user point of view, that's what's the real value of identity and access. Is what do you get out of it as an end user? It's making it yeah. easier to use. Uh, and everybody, if you make security complex, you write your passwords down, yeah. probably in a little black book. Um, MFA got thrown into this because obviously- MFA is multi-factor authentication. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you for reminding me, yes. Um, and uh, But the real core of identity and access was always around what we call deprovisioning and provisioning. So it's like the automation of manual tasks. So, you know, when and I'll talk about my journey uh, Octa when I was onboarded, yeah. but that's the real value around identity and access from yeah. a business point of view. Um, but then, so we've got the core of that within Octa now, but when we talk about the breadth of it, we've had an advanced server access. So how do we control this for servers, not just people? Uh, we've got things like API access management, which again is how do we uh, more efficiently uh, enable access and authentication and authorization yeah. at the application level. Uh, we've got things like Access Gateway, which is a reverse proxy. That gets us back in on premise mm -hmm. to some of these complex stats. So we're starting now over time. There's the breadth. Now, we're not talking about the depth. Yeah. Two examples very quickly. Um, one is around um, adaptive MFA. So yeah. we're taking the multi-factor authentication and we're putting context into it. Uh, and the second one is if we're doing, we got a um, provision and deprovisioning called yeah. lifecycle management. So there's a, a protocol workflows. Yeah. So it's no code, but the, the best analogy is you join as a salesperson in Dystology, you need access not just to Salesforce, you might have a Slack group or something else. So it's the ability to trigger that and to be able to dynamically give you those combinations yeah. without coding. Got uh, so that's effectively, effectively it. So I know there's a lot there, but that's the sort of background. It is. Where it, we is from, yeah. it is a decent amount. And actually, I'm going to ask Steve you to jump in here because I know it's a personal interest of yours, the, the history of identity. And that, bear in mind that the audience may not have the latest sure. thing of interest, but I know having chatted with you about it, mm -hmm. you've got some interesting insights on how we've arrived at today and why I can boldly say that I am is relevant to every organization on the planet if they've got some sort of IT system in place. Absolutely, yes. So. The question really is, why is it that the solutions we have today, such as Okta, why are they so great? Why are they such a value add to organizations? How do they increase the efficiency of organizations and make the employee experience better? And it comes down, in my view, which is that they, the solution there has a much better um, ability to change, to flex with the organization. The solutions which we used to build, um, similar to, to Andy, um, in kind of the late 90s and early noughties, was that they were very good at the time for what they were trying to achieve, which was everything kind of really on-premise, um, servers, tin. It was, yeah. it was good for that time. The world has since moved on since then, and those tools, kind of quote Charles Darwin, they weren't really able to survive the fittest way. They weren't able to move and adapt yeah. in the fastest way. A solution like Okta has 50 different releases a year. Each time you have a release, it's a bug fix, it's an enhancement. So as the world moves on, as workforce identity moves on and changes and adapts, Okta can move with it. When you used to have a solution deployed on-prem with a team, it was very static. And like the dinosaurs, they died off because they couldn't adapt. And the solutions like Okta can move with the times and will continue to do so with the features that Andy was just mentioning. Yeah. And I know you're, you're keen as a, as a kind of a, a subject matter expert on the entire field that – 
we we know that it's not a single source origin like coffee sometimes single source is great sometimes we'd like a blend uh, and we'll talk a bit about blending a little bit later with uh, with those uh, with the likes of microsoft google that are also uh, just arriving in people's organizations but before we do i'd like to thank you both for the history lesson because uh, i think that catches everybody up to this legacy of on-premise identity access management that was quite hard to work with mm-hmm. with the birth of all the cloud-based apps and what's happened is that those two worlds like most of it is coming together in the middle so that we can orchestrate and manage all of the access to the systems that we need through both on-premise and the cloud a good point of reference there if you look at the gap imagine quadrants and how they there was a quadrant called idas identity as a service and then that merged with identity and access management uh, also, uh, the other two markets to look at is privileged access management, mm-hmm. which is the most privileged accounts, like people like CyberArt, that's a great, so Opta are looking at entering that market next year. Um, and then the other one is the access governance market, which is like the sale points of this world. And again, we're looking yeah. at that. The reason we're looking at that is huge amount of dollars yeah. in those two markets, what, what brings it. And the whole method is how can we keep it simple, modern standards, yeah easy to implement without much code. Yeah, that's yeah. the same thing. So yeah, bear that in mind in terms of the different spheres of identity, if that makes sense. No, that's actually also incredibly useful because I think um, you mentioned two two names that are very visible in the in the UK market, which yeah. is uh, CyberArk and, and Sailpoint, and both of those have very great credibility and just slightly different shifts around the identity access management space. So now this brings everybody to a place uh, that the audience can relate to, um, I'd like to now talk about what you mentioned, which is employee experience. Now, we've all joined companies right, at some point, otherwise we wouldn't be sat in this call today. We've probably also moved jobs within a company at some point in our career as well. And we might have even left organisations. And I was talking to someone recently that works in technology who still had six months later access to their perks system from their previous employer. Now, it was only a minor thing, but there was still something, a door that wasn't closed. Now it was fortunate for that for that company that it wasn't uh, wasn't a an internal corporate system, but it was still something that probably should have been shut off. So let's have a think about this. What was the systems experience like? And Steve, Andy, I'd love you to share your own personal experiences and whether that's your personal experiences for yourself or experiences that you've learned. You work with lots and lots of customers, both of you. Um, have a look, let's have a chat about employee experience and what role I am plays in that. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, this really brings it back to uh, most people what are listening today. Is the ex- this is what's really important about identity. So when I joined Okta, I was super impressed. Uh, day one, I was lucky enough to go, and uh, back then, they used to fly you over to San Francisco. You had a brand new MacBook. You sat there in a conference room with a trainer. First thing you did is you logged into Workday. So you was created there in a HR system. And you entered in your, your other details, what was required. Um, and from that, uh, Opta picked that up, created my account. And then uh, it knew I was in there. Back then, I actually joined Opta as a, a sales person before I went to customer success. So it gave me my Salesforce account, gave me my Slack account. That's so all the downstream apps that I needed. By the end of the morning, I had all the access I needed to do my job, which was amazing. So that was like the joiner experience. I've heard as well companies because attracting the right talent and retaining it's really important. Like if you think about your company car, and uh, I've had companies that actually give you the keys on the day that you're going to join the company before you come to work. Yeah. And it's like, right, you've got your package and everything else. And it's like, 
the, the thing for the employees, that's what keeps you motivated and like, I got everything I need to do my work. But the back end, if you can enable your employees with everything they need from day one, that zero day, is like a lot more efficient and effective. Yeah. Right? So now that's the, the join of it. The, the thing what actually gets picked up and driven mostly by organizations is the compliance, which is the lever process, which you mentioned, Lance. That should be the bit which um, everybody's looking at, is like, how do I remove access? And, and companies struggle with this because it's not always tied to the IT. It could be an application and it depends where that access has been driven by. But that's the thing what normally gets closed first. The thing what's the most difficult is the movers, and I'll tell you why. Because when you want access, you shout and, and people give you access. Nobody shouts when they don't need access. I don't need this system any longer. Nobody ever says that, right? So what you do is you get accumulation of these. It's like normally if you've been in an organization, typically an old school like an IBM, it's like being around in a few different roles. Yeah. You gather and collect access. And that's pretty normal. So identity is all about how you can tighten up, join a mover lever. But from any, any user perspective, it's like, well, how easy is it? Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about, certainly in the pandemic, we've all been working remotely, is that experience, that login experience. So my login experience, where I'm here today, mm -hmm. I, I logged on, uh, whether I'm at home, whether I'm in my office, exactly the same, because yeah. we don't treat it as inside my corporate network any longer. Yeah. I'm in my own little bubble and security, accordingly. So yeah. I think that end user experience has got to be consistent. So yeah. I know what's going on as well. Yeah. Yeah, just to come in on that point, so I think that when you have somebody join an organization, there is not a great deal more that's um, disincentivizing for them to, to stand there and to say, oh, sorry, the manager's forgotten to add you into this system, or sorry, your laptop's coming a week later, I had something better to do or something more busy. The systems should be there to take the burden off the manager to have to remember that and yeah. also to make the whole experience seamless. It shouldn't require somebody to have to go and fill out a form once they get out of their next meeting, which itself was back to back. Yeah. The solutions and the systems have to stitch together to almost go into the background. It yeah. shouldn't be so overt. And that way you can have a really great user experience, which also works for the company kind of operationally. And yeah. all of the tools that we have available right now are possible to yeah. do that. And just to kind of step into why do we need tools in the first place? Organizations are a massive moving kind of feast of applications and people and permissions and demands and you can't just say right we have 10 systems today we have 100 people let's stitch those together there are applications coming in and out of procurement mm -hmm. licenses are changing and team you think of the number of channels and slack they're adapting all of the time and people's yeah. roles change having that to be relying on forms and people to remember things yeah is never going to work that was traditionally the way it was approached and people were just may do but yeah. now we have the solutions on place to actually deliver that and critically deliver it quickly and efficiently yeah and can i just say as well it's not easy depending on like if it's a like a proper enterprise app like sap or yeah. something with granular access that's not easy to do if you think about something like collaboration tools like office 365 gmail everybody has it right yeah. ancient rooms everybody has it so the more the more complex the app the more complicated it gets but with modern apps like salesforce we've got lots of different yeah. roles you start to be able to apply individuals into those roles. Yeah. So I suppose all of this is really, it's, it, I want to come back to what I said right at the beginning, which is this is relevant to every organization that has IT systems that are used as part of their business, right? And if we look at sectors like the hospitality sector, that have got a high turnover of staff on shifts, yeah. not necessarily a turnover in terms of 
you know, employed, unemployed, but actually just changing shifts. Um, actually, they do have a high turnover. If we look at our sales organizations across the IT channel. There's lots of turnover in sales as well, leavers, joiners and leavers all the time. So the 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 use of these systems has uh, has been incredibly important. And I, I said in uh, one of my rooms recently LinkedIn post promoting this event that six months ago I was completely oblivious to this entire world. And it's because it's like the wind panes of window in our in our frames, right? We don't consider the glass because we look straight through it. And it's the same thing with this. When I log on in the morning, I just log on. Anytime I actually feel that is if the process is a bit dirty, like the pane of glass when you know you need to get the window clean around. So uh, it's really, really important. And I think when I when I look at a lot of the literature around this space, I see a lot of talk around B2E, the business to the employee. And that usually means a business-centric view of the employee. So what should they have access to? Uh, how do I cut them off if they leave the company? How do I make sure they securely log on? But coming back again, Steve, to something you've mentioned twice, which is employee experience, if we turn the tables on that B2E and flip it to E to B, make it much more about um, because we know that the world of IT is uh, is more complex by the minute, but much like the consumer experience that we all expect in our everyday lives at home, um, it should be as friction-free as possible. And IT systems in 2021 and going into 2022, 2022 surely need to be frictionless for the employee while also being more secure for the business. So you mentioned a moment ago, you touched on automation and process. Um, those two are words that get chucked around willy-nilly and we don't necessarily have the, the substance to go after it so Steve in a moment I'm just going to ask you to unpack that a little bit but what does it mean if we're going to take a look at um, process engineering we're going to look at automation because actually that's the backbone to a good I, I am solution um, can you talk to us a bit about that from that B2B experience how it enables it and in the preparation for this, you talked about day in the life of as being a, as a key thing to look at for employees. Absolutely. Yeah. So what we really should be striving for to um, achieve the best employee experience is starting from actually the point before the person even is an employee. So if I'm set to be joining next week, the HR team are aware that I'm coming. They're aware of my role, my responsibilities, my department. That work is already beginning. The HR team are making those preparations. Yeah. That data is already available to be pushed into the system to start that work. If there's a two-week lead time, some of those orders for the um, laptops can be made at that point. Some of the early access can be given out. And there's a real trend we're seeing at the moment whereby um, organizations are thinking of giving access to personnel before they have started mm-hmm. so that they can get into the HR system and upload their personal information. Yeah. Instead of sending it in the post or coming in yeah. a photocopy, I'm going to go to the HR system myself and yeah. upload my references, upload my personal documentation, which really, what a great experience. Before you've even started, you have access to IT. And once you then come in the door and, and HR confirms Steve has begun today, all the other systems basically kick into life. Yeah. All your birthright access based on your location, your department, your job title kicks in. You have the access. So literally when you sit down at your desk, you get the experience that Andy was just talking about, that everything's basically been taken care of for you. Yeah. And then what a great experience that would be to just say, I'm here, I've had a really great welcome, and I can get started on my job. Yeah. And once you're into the into the role and begun, you don't want to have to, oh, excuse me, to your manager, do you have a moment? I need to get access to something else, or I think I need this. The user needs to feel empowered to do that themselves. Yeah. They need to raise their own requests, raise their own additional assistance tasks, yeah. reset their own password. That sounds crazy in, in this modern time. 
But the number of companies I've seen where you can't reset your own password, you have to raise a ticket, and it's a five-day um, response time. We really need to be, be empowering the employee themselves as well as kind of the machinery of the organisation yeah. to get the job done efficiently. And I, I think there's a danger that everyone listening today might think that that's a bit pie in the sky or theoretical, mm. but I know from I've spent quite a bit of time with you that this is reality and organisations that are investing in solid IAM solutions are realising this and realising the potential of improving the employee experience. Have you got any examples that you could draw on uh, to, to illustrate where you might have seen a, seen this happen over the past couple of years? Yeah, I would say definitely that um, historically this was a utopian view and people would start, well, let's start initially just connecting to our existing sources and continuing the manual intervention. But there is a real trend which is totally achievable today to move away from that. And to give you some cast on examples, so Okta has out-of-the-box integrations which are rapid to deploy for some of the biggest HR systems in, in, in the world. You can connect those up to Okta and have them managed as a source to use the terminology. As soon as a change is made in HR and a person hits save, that will immediately come into Okta. We can immediately push the data to Office 365. These are out-of-the-box functionalities that are available right now without any code, without any, you know, Obviously, we'd love to be the experts to come in and say, we have a thousand days of services. But strictly speaking, we have um, many customers that are doing themselves. They're so empowered that they can build those automations without the yeah. expert service. Obviously, they're relying on us for some uh, a guiding hand. But the technology is there. It was a utopian view, but we're really empowered now. Yeah, that's fantastic. Andy, you got any comments? Yeah, just pick up on that employer to business, because I think that's really important. And if you think about in your personal life, uh, like I shop for jeans and there's this website and it said not just like my waist signs and inside leg but it was saying how do I wear my watch and all these what I thought was the relevant questions and then the pair of jeans turned up and it was perfect and thinking this is brilliant so I'm hooked right my wife uh, buys makeup online and they could guarantee a better match than when she went into the shop by answering these questions right so that personal experience that you tied into the reason that we want to collaborate we want to collaborate with our business partners right and we want to share information and assets you can't do that without knowing who yeah. you're sharing it with and how securely so identity and the pins that but i'm seeing now in in conversations with large customers all right the cost savings that automation we mm -hmm. talked about is in the business case they need that the security is implied but what's really driving it now is the user experience and how can i improve it for my employees to give yeah. them better experience and if they're dealing with histology and your partners, how can you give them a better experience, yeah. right? So that's really important. That, and I think the value of that, because we, you're going to talk about site on this afternoon, the customer identity, but we know how important it is to keep those customers happy. Yeah. Like you go on a holiday, you want a good experience all the way through from yeah. when you book it. And I'm seeing the same in identity. The, the customer said to me this week, very large customer said, look, it's not successful if we can implement A, B, and C technically. Yeah. What do my staff think about it? That's yeah. the acid test. Yeah. And I think things are changing now in, in today's workplace, which is, I think that, yeah, keeps us all well, in right. yeah. Talent attraction, talent retention. Actually, the job at hand can be made infinitely more difficult if the IT experience to go and do that is incredibly laborious. So yeah. being able to bring all those things together does actually directly affect that employee experience um, and actually separates a lot of the good organisations from the best who have uh, a really slick um slick uh, approaches to to this all of this area that we're talking about now it wouldn't be cybersecurity. you did drop the bomb earlier about zero trust and it wouldn't be a cybersecurity yeah. chat without mentioning zero trust and particularly in context to this employee to business experience business to employee experience 
Now, the concept of zero trust for anyone that doesn't know is, is uh, the concept where we verify everything and trust nothing. And that's no one and everyone as the, in the same thing. So in the context of that ETB frictionless experience, how do we deliver against this essential, essential components of zero trust while also delivering a great employee experience? So in addition to the standard I am banter that, we're, that we've been talking about, the expression passwordless has become synonymous with the word frictionless. Can you weave that into the next segment? How do we how do we go about this topic of zero trust? Where does passwordless fit in? How does it all go towards that? Maybe not Nirvana, but a much, much better position of this frictionless flow through systems where you just get to work with a minimal amount of resistance. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a go first and then we can chip in. So um, if you've ever been shopping uh, with your credit card and you, you visit a lot of stores and things, and then there'll be, you know, a certain point, they're going to say, oh, I just want to check you, and you can check that, you know, and you're spending all this money. They've got a pattern of my spending, and in the background, they're running analytics. And basically, they're giving me a good shopping experience. I actually don't mind being checked. It's like, oh, okay, because I know the analytics going on in the background. Zero trust to me is the same concept. It's like, it should be that. The more information that they gather about you, whether that they need to know your identity, need to know the devices, where you're coming from, your patterns of access, mm -hmm. once you can baseline that, you can move that frictionless experience into it. So the concept of passwordless is I don't need to offer a password. I'm going to be other prompts, which makes my login experience seamless and easy. Yeah. That's where it's come from. But if I'm coming in from a different country or a potentially higher risk area, that's when the step of the authentication. So Opta's in that process. Of we, when we had our meta directory, it was all about the identity. We now gather in other bits of data where we can make appropriate decisions yeah. and, and not not for the vendor to make that decision, but for the customer and partner to yeah. be able to make that decision on what's appropriate for them. So to me, that's what zero trust means. And I think when I look at the pandemic and what happened is it depends where you are at your point in time as a, as a company to how important that is. I'll give you some examples. Is manufacturing organizations typically got a workforce on the factory floor. They don't have a lot of IT users. But then to turn around and say, right, everybody's going to work remotely, it was like it was never have happened back in the day. And they did. They all managed it, yeah, whether they're using VPNs or whatever else. And then you've got your high-growth tech companies, bioscience companies, what are predominantly cloud. Yeah. It was easy for them to make switch. We had, like for Octa, it was like it didn't make any difference, right? So I think it's where you are at that point in time to what Zero Trust means. There's some security officers what are still struggling with this concept that, their data is no longer in the data centers. They're rooting people back into mm -hmm. their IT organization mm -hmm. to go back out to cloud systems, but they're still asking for the same security password controls yeah. and things, which are no longer appropriate. So I, I can see that struggle with the old school then where we're coming across. It's yeah. fascinating, but the, the progression should be that. It's going to be easier for people. It's going to be more secure, uh, and it's going to be frictionless, yeah. hopefully, yeah. My take is, is very much along the same lines, and I see there was a, maybe a slight suggestion in the question that how do we implement zero trust or passwordless while keeping great experience? And I think to have zero trust provides a great experience is actually an outcome, and it allows people to move around flexibly, allows organisations to shift and adapt whilst maintaining security. We have a customer that once you start, just at the start of the process they will send to you a laptop through the post. You get it out of the box, you plug it in, it will spin up, the organization's policies apply to that. 
because you have now a corporate device and you're but you're working remotely the security posture will adapt to that mm-hmm. okay it's a corporate device but you're from home so i need to track that and actually maybe prompt you for two factors in a certain place if i now go into the warehouse mm-hmm. and there's a particular device there the security will adapt to what's available at that place it might be um a smart card or a, a, a YubiKey, something like that, yeah. because that's all that's appropriate at that point. If I then take the laptop on holiday with me, yeah. it then steps up even stronger. So it allows people to move flexibly to wherever their work takes them whilst maintaining that organizational security that's required to underpin all, all the services. Yeah. And, and we haven't really talked about mobile devices in this equation. We tend to focus on the laptop, but actually, I think the mobile device has crept up the ranks and has become the primary device of choice, particularly for, for, for um, workforces that are mm-hmm. out and about and mobile, because getting your laptop out, frankly, is just inconvenient. Mm-hmm. So we're on our phones using our HR apps and we're using that for the same thing for our perk system and our expenses and our email, mostly our email. Mm-hmm. So bringing biometrics, because I think we'll all agree that the biometrics on, the, on a laptop is kind of OK kind of okay but the mobile device is second nature to us all now because we walk around with iphone samsung devices that have these built-in hardware encryption all empowered by the biometric fingerprint or iris or whatever it might be so that what have you got anything to say to those those devices and how passwordless fits in with that my take on that is that we're kind of it was always seen we need to achieve passwordless at some point and there's going to be some sort of a technology project to do that but yeah. because of the significant increase in the sophistication of people's own devices themselves that they're buying as you say you have you have an iphone that has facial recognition in it yeah. so the actual environment itself is maturing to a point where achieving password this is actually not that big of a jump we can rely on it, people's devices to be sophisticated enough to do that they have maybe fingerprint scanners facial recognition you can have um on a, my own mac there's a fingerprint reader on there so the technology estate is maturing to the point whereby we can use service yeah. like Oct to apply zero trust, yeah. whereas before it might have been plug in a dongle, yeah. a card reader. I mean, it's something that's unique. We know that fingerprints. Uh, and actually, it was interesting to see Yubico come out with a brand new Yubikey, which is now biometrically yeah. enabled. So yeah. I think we're, we're, we're slowly moving towards this place. But what I'm seeing in the marketplace is that passwordless is a great concept, but organizations are finding it difficult to get their head around doing that and actually saying goodbye to the password. And and the password is, uh, I think, going to stick around for a long time. It's always the default fallback. But if the password technologies get adopted, and there are some great technologies out there, Beyond Identity, one of our event sponsors today, are are right in there. And then you've got other big organizations like Transmit and Opportunity Cells are starting to do some passwordless uh, features in there. So there's lots and lots going on uh, in that space. I want to go on. Yeah, just on just on that because I, I did a lot previously in my career on smart cards, and uh, you rolled them out as a stronger factor. Um, actually, when we issued them in the UK police, it was the efficient uh, called IL4, which is the same as issuing a passport. And what was interesting is the security office still said, "Oh, we need to have a password policy." It's like, "No, yeah. you don't. You have a pin policy. Completely different." Yeah. I see the same some conversations around, "Oh." How can it be secure and it's passwordless? It's actually a lot more secure. Yeah. It's the rules around it. it, it yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and, and device trust is in there, right? You, you, you place an element of, yeah. of trust on the device, and that, of course, then means the organization's got to think about the, the, the risk posture of that device. But that's what those passwordless technologies are doing. They're not just saying, okay, I'm just going to rely on the, on the biometric login rather than the password. They're saying, I'm doing that, and I'm also checking that device is in a good state and ready to be um, 
you know, responsibly accessed by the by the employees so that they feel confident to do their work on it. Uh, but also the organization is confident that it's in a good state to then connect to their to their multi-cloud yeah. environment over I, this boundless network. Just for the benefit of the audience, I just wanted to clear distinction for me around Okta leverages um, these different technologies, whether it be biometrics or yeah. other things. We, we leverage that. And we also take information around the device types so we can look at the patterns. But what we don't do is we don't manage devices. Yeah. So that's why we'll integrate with Intune's, uh, on Microsoft yeah. with uh, VMware, uh, Mobile Iron, yeah. Jamf for yeah. Apple devices. So we, we we're not a mobility management. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to be clear. No, that's an amazing segue actually, because yeah. that's where I want to go next. Is I want to talk about the big M word, which is Microsoft. Um, and actually, you've listed a, a whole great uh, uh, list of, of, of uh, device management um, technologies there as well. So if we change gears and think about that, we think about um, whether the audience talk to their customers or whether they themselves, if, if we've got any customers on, on in the audience, whether they dip outside of the Microsoft ecosystem to go and do whatever they're doing. And if they're not a Microsoft house, they're going to be a Google house, because let's be honest, it's only yeah. those two that are running the productivity ends of, uh, of, uh, of, of most organizations. And of course, we mustn't forget, because when you and I have spent a bit of time talking about homegrown solutions as well, because we were talking about stitching earlier, but actually there is a lot of stitching that's happened over the decades that have passed because there wasn't an identity access management solution to lean on. So we're talking about Okta. There are other solutions that are like Okta that fit in the same space. What do you say? Is it one size fits all? Do they have to pick between Microsoft or Google or, or Okta or any other organization to do their identity access management, or is it a blend? Yeah. So, so let me start, and then uh, so uh, we're very passionate about this at Okta because it's our biggest competitor, but uh, it's also our biggest ally. The number of people that's got Office 365, and I've got to take my hat off to Microsoft. What they've done is they've turned their revenue from a yeah, yeah from a, a licensed business to a SaaS business, and to do that on that scale has been phenomenal. And what they've also done is to get to Office 365, you need your cloud Azure AD. So they're, they're, they're sort of forcing people to go from a legacy AD to Azure AD. And at the minute, we call it hybrid, but you've got customers what are in this. They've got on-premise infrastructure, and then they've got the Microsoft infrastructure. And if you speak to finance people, it's like, oh, we've got a Microsoft Enterprise, um, they're called it, um, ELA uh, uh, E3 and E5 license yeah. agreements. And they're bundling these things. But they don't talk about the value. They talk yeah. about the price, and there's a very different yeah. thing there. So to me, every organisation, uh, typically, unless you're a startup, yeah. uh, you know, then you're going to have a whole range of different yeah. uh, technologies. And because Oxford is agnostic, I think that's where we play. So I don't talk about competing with Microsoft. I talk about complementing it. Because yeah. to that point, we can add a lot more value in that yeah. in that environment and ecosystem. Yeah, I would say that. For all the custom implementations that we work with, we see Microsoft, I would say, eight or nine out of 10 of every single customer deployment. It's there um, in many different shapes and forms. And the one um, big differentiator, I think, of Octa that we see quite commonly is that it can work, as you say, very complementary with that. Yeah. If the customer has Active Directory, which has been around for a long time, we can work with that. If yeah. it's Office 365, we can work with that. We even have customers that use Microsoft and Octa together for yeah. identity, which sounds, you know, how can that be possible or why would you want to do that? There are very legitimate reasons why you would yeah. and could do that. So the, it's a very, um, come back to your single or um, blended coffee analogy earlier, 
organizations are there. Everything is a mixture of different services. And the key is to stitch those together to make the overall organization work efficiently and yeah. have that great user experience. And we have all the tools to do that. So it's not a Microsoft or Okta. It's not an, an Okta or your existing solution. Those can work together and there's there's protocols and tools that we can use to stitch everything yeah. together nicely. And, and, and we head back again to changing something that was perhaps a Nirvana or a part of a wish list of integration because it, it's in every CISO advice you can see from any analyst you want to take a pick from. Integration in cybersecurity is absolutely essential. And what we're talking about here is planning for your organization today and the organization of tomorrow. So whoever you're investing in to go and run that single source of truth around identity access management and authorization into the right parts of your um, digital ecosystem, you've got to make sure that they are wholly behind expanding their list of integrations. And right now today, Okta is sitting out ahead of the competition purely, I believe, down to its breadth of integration and its ease of use and management in, in time, which is why a lot of Microsoft customers who have the choice are picking Okta. And actually, that's fine. And it's also fine to go with Microsoft because they support your current ecosystem well and you can't yeah. see that they're falling behind in any you know future that you can determine. Yeah. And that's okay as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned about the um, Gartner Magic Quadrant earlier. And um, when I've spoken to Gartner a few times in the past, one thing I know that does kind of irritate them a little bit, but people always say, well, anything top right must be better than anything bottom left. But the axes are there on purpose. They are here to say which organization has the best ability to execute that solution yeah. in terms of availability, yeah. reliability. You can speak to someone. It's it's not going to fall over. Yeah. And also the, the visibility and the, the vision of the product. Where is it going? Is it going to keep evolving and not become <coughs> yesterday's yeah. dinosaur? So nothing's just standing still. If, if, if you have a solution today which is standing still that can't adapt, it will eventually go like the solutions which were deployed in the 90s. Yeah. You have to have a platform which can adapt and flex over time, which you can see that. Good, thank you. So at this point, I just wanna have a stare into the camera and say that the uh, Q&A is still open. Uh, please do click on the questions box, add any of your questions as you as you they pop into your head, uh, and we'll answer them in, in a few minutes. So changing gear slightly, we mentioned uh, right at the beginning that we've got a mixed audience today. Um, we've got some channel, we've got some customers, we've got some technical people, we've got some non-technical people. What is your advice to our audience about getting started with workforce identity access management solutions? So, so for me, uh, and I'm astounded when I joined Okta, the, the size of customers we dealt with, all the way from 25 users yeah. to 25 million uh, on the Siam side, is the, there's a great breadth there that we support. So regardless of what sector you operate in, the size of your customer, the uh, regardless of whether they're Microsoft, they've got homegrown solutions, Whatever they've got in their ecosystem, there's a place and there's an opportunity. And I've seen certain people at Okta, they'll get in what I call little acorns. So they plant a little seed, might be an MFA project. Yeah. Might be something just to get them started. Might be a one-off. Like we've been involved to help customers migrate or consolidate direct uh, AD directories. Yeah. So it might be a stepping stone. But once you're in there, and, you know, what, what's the saying? Nine times easier to sell to an existing customer than a new one. Yeah, once yeah. you're in there. Yeah. You can then upsell and you can grow it as opportunities. So if you get in with a workforce, I mean, we've seen it. I think in, in a mere 75% of our yeah. customers are workforce, 25% SIAM. You're going to talk about all zero of their acquisition, yeah. but that, that's going to blur. Yeah. So we've got huge upsell opportunities. I see that in the channel. It's like getting in one, you can upsell in workforce, but you can cross-sell into SIAM 
into the, the B2B, B2C. I think the key thing there, that, like the point around upsell, that, that's great for IT solution providers selling to customers. But if you look at it again from the customer's view back towards the channel, it means choice. And every time we yeah. see a workforce solution deployed or a customer identity access management solution deployed, it grows. Why? Because it's business enabling. So the channel wins because yeah. they're happy because they're making more sales. The customer wins because they've got further and deeper integrations into all of their ecosystem. And actually, it opens the IT world for them because now they can take, you know, your Perks app and make sure that the login credentials for that are managed by the central solution. So now they don't have to be particularly line of business who want to go out and find these enabling uh, enabling applications that are out there to give to their employees. Um, they can go out and do that confidently knowing that IT can handle it. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a it's a it's a two it's a bi-directional benefit by doing this. As you mentioned choice and that that reminded me that uh, John Addison, our general manager, joined us from LinkedIn recently. And uh, Microsoft came there and he needs to do a lot of uh, exec briefings um, for Microsoft and he said that he spent a lot of time trying to convince customers uh, that it was the right way forward when the customer clearly wanted choice. Yeah. They didn't want to be like financially the CFO saying, yeah, go where you're going to save money. But the, they want, the, the CIO wanted to be in a position that they wanted that choice. Yeah. So he said, we got a real opportunity because customers want to help us by getting yeah. a mixed ecosystem of all these different best of breed products. It's like they're being pushed by finance. So I think when you're in that mindset, it's like it made me start thinking, oh, okay, customers do wanna do they do wanna be open to having a yeah. more like you know best of breed product set because yeah. they want the best. So yeah. in in what they yeah want to achieve, it's Good. just how we get there. So yeah. Brilliant. And my thought in this space is that traditionally in the nineties and early noughties, identity projects. It was a project with a, with a capital P, you know, it was a project we had to sit back and think about it and do a plan and have an enormous program delivery team. Whereas actually with the solutions that are available now of all shapes and sizes that are SaaS based, we have organizations saying, we need to deliver this by next Friday. Yeah. We need this wow. one application. Um, we had a customer recently that had a, a breach on one application and they said, we appreciate that the solution is best to breed. We appreciate we can do all of these things and the utopia vision that you described to us is completely achievable. But today we need to lock this application yeah. so that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. So we had a very pinpoint project to deliver that, which was very rapid. Yeah. So um, it's a very small P on a project now. We just deliver that, circle back, have a conversation, and they are very incremental now projects. And traditionally I had a project would have been months or years six yeah. to ten people yeah. wow. project manager yeah now we have a person yeah. on a call three or four yeah. calls and it's delivered and then we move to the next priority they've become very very um granular and um agile a massive shift I yeah yeah I mean, we talk a lot about time to value and if you think about where we started this conversation about the history and things taking a long time time to value to us certainly my role in customer success is I need people to use the product. If they're not using it, they're going to churn. That's the whole point we exist. So, like, how quickly can we get them on that platform? I think the best one we had is two very large bookmakers. One got acquired. We had we had a footprint in one, and overnight, even before they actually done the deal, we we merged them both together. So, like, all right, not all the systems, but like overnight, they was done. Um, and in fact, the SEs did it. They didn't even get a PF team involved, which yeah. was another story. But um, yeah, that that's how quick yeah. we, we can mobilise if we need to. Brilliant. So yeah, I think a word a word to all the partners on the call today. Whether you are uh, listening to this identity access management chat for the first time and it's your introduction, or whether you're a little bit down the line, 
Uh, Dystology is here to support you. Uh, we're here to help enable you and help you to, to understand how best to go and talk to your customers about this, to learn and upskill yourself, whether you're in a technical role or in a sales role or marketing or somewhere in between all of those. So whether you're a customer looking to start small, little p, whether you're a channel partner looking to get into uh, working with identity access management solutions, whether you're an existing partner, but a new salesperson that, or new technical person that hasn't worked with this before, uh, there's a, a wealth of, of expertise and knowledge and support for you uh, here uh, to, uh, to help you. Now, when we were talking before the show, I asked you, Steve, about three key things could really benefit an organization by introducing an identity access management solution. And you called out automation versus the manual hand crank, introducing multi-factor authentication for legacy applications and supporting the remote workforce. I want to invite you now just because I think people listening will probably benefit by hearing why you pick those three. So we've got to kick off with automation versus manual. We touched on it earlier, mm -hmm. but why is that a good thing? So the automation side specifically just allows personnel within the, within the team to to perform tasks which are of more value, which which can actually have a bigger impact on the organisation. People would much rather spend their time instead of resetting passwords, unlocking accounts, manually typing data into Active Directory. They'd much rather speak with a customer or an employee and help them through a challenge yeah. to actually work on something which is a higher value and Organization that allows you to kind of not so much reduce costs because you don't necessarily want to reduce the team, but you can focus those to have the most impact. And through automation, we can really remove the hand cranking of tasks, which obviously has an operationally efficiency improvement, but yeah. also specifically manual intervention. The amount of times I see issues with people, Steve, oh sorry, it's Stephen, oh sorry, I missed out the P, I've got to do yeah. it again. Oh, sorry, I changed the wrong user. Yeah. I changed Lance to Stephen. I've got to change it back again. Yeah. That happens all the time. And automation just means that the computer can be doing it the same again and again and yeah. again. And they're not, I'm not accidentally going to give you the CEO's rights yeah. because I was looking at the wrong profile. It's the consistently consistency and the efficiency, the correctness of that, yeah. which has massive um, benefits. And then you touched on uh, introducing multi-factor authentication for yes for legacy applications. I presume that's when you mean like bespoke applications inside the IT environment. Yeah, exactly. So often when we speak to customers and partners, when you talk about anything that's on-premise or homegrown legacy, there's lots of, okay, we'll circle back to that. Let's do the Zooms and the Slacks of the world, the Office 365, because they're new, and we'll circle yeah. back to those later. And what that often means is that those critical applications that you can't touch because they're kind of so important yeah. are left behind and can actually have really significant security issues. And there's not really any need to do that because we have really great tools. Often publishers are fantastic with SDKs and kind of pieces of code which you can drop into applications and even th uh, references to third-party libraries where if you drop that into a system with support, then it can effectively supercharge the application so that it can yeah. work with modern standards and once you have those modern standards in play you can slap mfa on top of yeah. it zero trust yeah. automation yeah. it's not just oh well we don't know how the code works we have to leave it let's work on those applications first let's get them going yeah. first and, and they're often the sense of the organization like the heartbeat you know <laughs> everything that runs from it you know that erp system has been there for 20 years yeah. and you want to change it but you can't dream of it because it's going to take so long exactly yeah it's the thing i try to unpick the most which is you really can work on those today. They're not the thing that should be at the bottom of the rung, they should be at the top. Yeah. 
Uh, and third and finally for this uh, for this part before we go into the audience Q&A, mm -hmm. uh, you talked about supporting the right workforce and you gave a fantastic example to me uh, about the charity and distributed workforce working with Chromebooks. Yes, absolutely. So kind of almost touched on it earlier, which was they have a, a, a various kind of sites across the country and they have a, a process whereby they will um, order a new um, laptop, send it through the post and previously uh, with the old model, someone locally at that site had to unwrap it, oh, right, check okay. it, yeah. then they had to send it back yeah. to head office, they didn't have to put software, they got sent back again, yeah. and after two or three weeks with lots of costs and inefficiency, then it was usable. Yeah. Now we're in a place where they can uh, take the machine out the street wrap, send it, it spins up with the organizational policy, and then within a few minutes, there you have an opt to sign in page yeah. on that laptop. They sign in with a credential that's automatically been created in the background, and these you can get working they can then Brilliant. take that laptop remotely yeah maybe take it abroad yeah and it says okay i can work with you on that i might have to step you up to a second factor authentication yeah. because you're in an unusual place but you can keep yeah. working you can keep being enabled yeah and that's what i see the real differentiator it's, it it keeps people being enabled whilst secure yeah fantastic thank you so um we're going to move now over into the audience q a we've got a couple that have come in which uh, which we'll tackle now. So uh, one of the first question the first question is uh, around who manages identity? Is it HR? Is it the technical team? Is it someone else completely? Uh, who 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 are you know who's who's going to be who are our partners talking yeah. to? Yeah, good good question. So I'll, so I'll start with that, and Steve, you can you can add to it. So typically. It's your IT team, it's your architects what are looking at it and looking at what solutions are in the future, what what might design it, and then the IT administrator director would own that and it's yeah. support team. But you got other elements. So you mentioned the HR. Very few times are HR in sync yeah. with IT, and but they need to be if you if you do it properly with what we call HR as a master. So you're born in the HR system and you yeah. come in, then they need to be tied in. That's obviously contentious sometimes. The majority of our customers, we call it mastering, but the, the, they're in AD already and we take them from AD into yeah. Okta. Um, and then the other people, you get application owners, which are outside of IT, which okay. are really important as well. Um, and then you've got security. So when we look at that, look at the stakeholders, like a look at who's going to design it, who's going to own it once it's implemented. And also a big, big part of our role is, how are we going to communicate this to end users so that they know what's coming? Mm -hmm. uh, we've just been jointly uh, involved in a, a very large bookmaker, and uh, Steve and his team did some great work. A lot of it, I'd say, wasn't the technology. It's like getting them ready for what they're going to expect on yeah. the ground and like what our system is going to be. So hopefully that answers your question. I look at all those stakeholders and there's the sort of a, yeah. you need to try and get across a few of them, but it'll be owned or the budget will probably come from IT yeah. traditionally. Uh, from the projects that we deliver, we often see CTO, uh, Chief Technology Officers and, and Chief Information Security Officers standing up as being the ultimate sign off for um, the projects that we deliver. Mm -hmm. But I'm seeing a, an interesting trend over the last few years of you're having um, identity um, head of identity being set yeah, up yeah. As, a, as a new role, which is quite interesting. That really kind of underscores the importance of identity and also the recognition of that in organizations yeah. that there can be a chief identity officer or a director of identity. And we're wow, seeing, that important. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're seeing that they are therefore able to apply those best practices across yeah. an entire company and be our main stakeholder. Yeah. It's a minority, but I see it as a growing trend. Yeah. Brilliant. 
Now, there's a couple of questions about passwordless and zero trust, but I felt we, uh, I think they probably came in earlier before we did those two, uh, those two questions. But there is an interesting one, I think, around MFA, multi-factor authentication, which we've mentioned a couple of times. Um, and the question is, without having a centralized platform, is multi-factor authentication compromising the end user experience? That, that traditionally been the, um, the approach or the thought process, which was security makes things hard. But with the introduction of zero trust and adaptive multi-factor authentication, we can preserve the security posture that's required to keep us all safe when we work, whilst also making a great user experience yeah. for people. So if we are on a company laptop and I'm working in the same location I've worked in for the last seven mm -hmm. days, then, and you're not, you've not turned the firewall off, yeah. you've not installed any rogue software on there, mm -hmm. then, the, then the security posture can say, actually, I don't even need to prompt you for a password. Yeah. You start up, you're into your services straight away. Granted, yeah. when I go to maybe Salesforce, I might ask you for security then because that's the sensitive system. But in certain many situations, we can actually reduce the barriers with yeah. uh, zero trust solutions. Yeah. And yeah, just picking up on that, if I understand it right, there's different point solutions in organizations for MFA. So you might have a different one for your partners that might have stood up a system and they've got RSA tokens yeah. or something. What we call it sweating the asset, but once you've got Octa in place, you can start to bring those in. And you can either integrate it and what we call sweat the assets so until it expires, you can continue using your tokens. Yeah. And then you can swap it out to a more effective, cost-effective solution and stronger solution at the right time. Yeah. So if I understand that, you will get organizations that's got multiple different options there, depending on their business yeah. and scale of it. And over time, you can bring them into a central platform. Yeah. Um, that's because otherwise they're having to operate separate infrastructure. Well, and, I did have a question literally just coming in a second about uh, about about the MFA and whether it's only beneficial to customers who have mul multiple applications or does it compete with Microsoft or smaller organizations? I assume what they're saying there is if you're using Microsoft's uh, authenticator app, are you is it is it okay to use just that for Microsoft, you know, get them to Office 365? Yeah, it's a really or, good question. That. So so we have got that. What what we can do is we we can basically leverage Office 365 conditional access because what Microsoft are very good at in their own ecosystem is the rules around that once you're in the app. We don't yeah. do that, we give you access to that. Yeah. But for an user, you don't want to use two different tokens. Yeah. So what we would recommend is using the Okta Verify app or something mm -hmm. similar and uh, replace that. You don't want to go into the Microsoft environment, use their token yeah. and then vice versa. So yeah. we can do that, but we can still use all the conditional access that Microsoft yeah. are doing. All we do is refer it back yeah. to Okta for that MFA. Um, so what you don't want is two different experiences yeah. for the end user for sure. And actually, now you've said that, if I think about um, uh, you become beyond identity, if you have those and that integrate with with Ox, you've got an even more uh, exactly, yeah. experience because whether you're you know an organisation that requires that physical token or whether you just want to go completely passwordless, you've got that ability to just unify everything. So the the, the employee's experience is I'm just going to work. Doesn't matter which device I'm on, it just all clicks together. But actually, the orchestration is all happening through the Okta platform at the back end. Absolutely, and, and it's a great point to touch on about the uh, the Ubico and the need for a physical key. There's been a general trend, as I say, with everything, which is my phone is my one kind of persona, my one device. But there's many, many legitimate environments which we see all the time where a phone is not appropriate. Yeah, yeah. If I'm working in a school, if I'm maybe on a shop floor in a supermarket. If I'm yes. a data center, an oil rig, yeah. I can't use my phone. Yeah. I have to have a backup. And for the solution, they ever say, a 
okay, I understand your context where you are. I understand who you are. Yeah. I'm going to require that token because it's most appropriate. Yeah. That's absolutely dynamite in terms of yeah. you can't just say, well, you need a pin and it has to. Normally, the approach would be to say, in that scenario, if you can't use your phone, it has to be a 27 character password. Yeah. That's not going to be helpful. Yeah. So you've got a tiny keyboard. You can switch to say a physical token in that scenario, but not this. That's really powerful. Brilliant. So, where at the end? Unless you've got any closing comments. I've got one actually. So I know we've been a partner for a long time and yeah, thank you for, for the partnership. Um, and I think this market, I've been in it, well, over 15 years. I'm still as excited today as I was 15 years ago. And the reason for that is it's evolving so quickly. And I think there's opportunities there for everybody. We as an organization are growing 50% year on year and we're continuing to do that. And I know that you've grown last time I was in your offices down the road. So, you know, it is a great industry. Uh, and I think it's a vibrant time to be having these discussions with customers as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's a great time for customers as well. As we've talked about continuing, yeah. right, everything is benefit for the channel, benefit for the customers. Um, and I'm, I'm the same as you. Six months ago, completely ignorant to the whole thing. Suddenly woke up one day and realized, oh my gosh, how have I been missing this entire thing? Yeah. It literally brings the front end of IT all together. Um, and starts to really, really support that zero trust model for organisations. So I would just have on top of that, that from what I'm seeing on the ground is that there's a massive um, appreciation of identity now from customers. It's gone from being something which you kind of spoke about with the techies and it's now front and centre in the business. Yeah. Customers are aware of it, they're aware of the improvement and most importantly, they're aware of the need to do something in that space. Yeah. It's not something that you have to necessarily convince. We have customers coming to us saying, when can we get started on this? Yeah, I don't. We don't have to do much convincing the the value of identity. Yeah. People have had that wake up in, in that moment. To I, I was actually chatting with a customer uh, last week who said that exact same thing. This is the simplest business case I've ever had to propose. <laughs> I just now need to make sure we've got the budget to do it because it's all driving employee experience. I think that's the thing around identity access management, customer identity access management. We're all employees. We're all customers, often self-employed among us, um, but we've all got those experiences that we can draw on and can see how we're going to tangibly benefit from that. So to everyone online, and thank, thank you for joining us today, uh, this event sponsored by Okta. I uh, hope you leave us taking away some new nuggets of knowledge uh, that will help you as we all continue to try and secure this digital world that we live in. And for more information, please contact us at Distology. Uh, you'll find everything you need to get in contact with us at distology.com. And one of our workspace security focused channel account managers will be in touch. Andy, Steve, thank you very, very much for being here today. And to our sponsors, Okta, AuthZero, Ubico and Beyond Identity, thank you very much for your support to help make this event possible. Now to everyone online, thank you again for watching. And I hope you have a great end of the day uh, and a good close to the week. Thanks very much. <laughs>